Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Life's Legends, the podcast where we talk about the stories that have shaped our lives. Today, I have a a very special guest on the podcast, my own mother. Say hello. Hello, mother. Mom, what's the story that you've picked for us to to go through this month of September? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Luke. Mm. By the way, you're a terrific son. Oh, thanks. Here's what I've chosen. She's lying for for the podcast. No, I'm not. I have chosen Peter Pan by J.M. Barry. I'm not sure that's how you say his last name. I was just going to say, do you know? Barry. Yeah. Barry. He's English, so I don't know if that helps us. We'll say J.M. Barry. (laughs) How about that? Okay. Do we have to say it that way every time? Every time. Okay. Great. (laughs) Great. Um, so we're, uh, you know, because I like to shake things up all the time. We're This month we're going to record this in a little different way than we have in the past. We're simply going to split it up into this first episode. We're going to spend all the episode talking about the story. So ordinarily I'd ask you some questions about yourself and your experience with stories. But we're going to save that for episode two. And instead, we're just going to jump right into the story of Peter Pan. And this episode we're just going to focus on the story. But before we get into that, I like to ask my my guests when they come on if they have any shout outs of other stories that they want to to have the all seven listeners of the Life's Legends podcast hear about. So do you have a story that you'd like to shout out? Well, because it was written in the same time period and along the same imagination type of lines, I'm giving a shout out to Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. Okay, great. A.K.A. Alice in Wonderland. Right, that's what probably most people would know it from. Also, was a early novel that was uh, turned into a Disney movie. Yes. Early on, so they share that similarity as well. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Well, great. That was a great. That was a great shout out. You know what? It took me forever to think about it. That's great. So let's get into let's get into the story. Um, so I normally start with characters, uh, but if you want to start somewhere else, you can. But normally I go I try to go over the characters that have that are prevalent in the story and, and kind of our thoughts about them and, and what they think. Is there is there a character that you like to start with? A place you would like to, to begin the discussion? Well, my favorite character. Throughout the wow, year, you're just gonna favorite character right off the bat. Okay. Well, you asked for a character. Has, no, that's has that's been fine. Wendy. Okay. I've been a Wendy fan my whole life. Okay. Yeah, she's the opposite of me in many ways. I was gonna say I don't know that I find that many similarities between you and Wendy. We're not similar at all. We're opposite. Mm-hmm. But in that way, she's intriguing to me. Sure. Yes. Okay. Oh, you want more than yeah, that? Yeah, I would love more oh, than okay. that. Oh, I okay. Mean, <laughs> if you have more. Um, well, I find it interesting that Wendy is such a uh, responsible young lady at such a young age. And how she just kind of embraces the the thought of that time period that a woman is expected to be motherly and take care of the nurturing of the children and that that's her primary role uh, and only role. And I just find it interesting that at such a young age. But I also think that that's tied into the fact that she is the oldest child. And sometimes the oldest child does feel the most responsible. Yeah. 
yeah, she's the oldest child of, uh, what seems like a very practical slash traditional English family. Yes. The darlings seem very, almost unemotional at, at times, especially Mr. Darling in the beginning. Um seems unemotional. Well, the British home is run with precision. And now we're going to another <laughs> Disney movie. But it does it does speak to that time period. Sure. You know, it is it is sure. uh, an age in in England where that is, you know, that's kind of the way the households are set up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to stick with Wendy, one of the things that I find is interesting, I agree with you that I think that she embraces the like responsibility aspect of adulthood very early in the in the move in the book um she kind of always has this responsibility level going on and again there's probably a little bit of oldest child there yet she's not entirely responsible and barry how are we saying barry is that what we're calling yeah let's call him barry barry our our boy the author mm-hmm. seems to point out several times where she deliberately makes the irresponsible decision, mm-hmm. and all of those times revolve around Peter and making yes. decisions concerning Peter that that she deliberately makes a bad a decision that's not that responsibility decision. So while yeah, she is definitely this kind of motherhood and responsibility mindset she has. She hasn't entirely kind of thrown off this childhood recklessness because she does go out the window. She does go with him. Yeah, she's still drawn to... I think she's drawn to Peter because he is so haphazard and and exciting and different than her. It's another I'm drawn to the opposite of of who I am. But yeah, she's still a child, so she's still going to be, you know enticed by childhood things and adventures and mermaids that was the thing that that really interested her the most Mm -hmm. um these are things that she's never seen that she wants to see that she wants to experience but in the end even in the adventures that get a little out of hand she is the one who brings it all back around everybody needs to get to bed everybody needs to be in bed right so she's still, in the end, the, sure. the responsible one out of any of them. Yeah. Oh, for sure she is definitely responsible. I, yeah. I just thought, I think that it's interesting to me that, that she hasn't, be, she is, because in reality, she is still a child. So she has not actually escaped that, those childhood tendencies of throwing off that responsibility when that draws her in. I would argue that she never did. Even in the end, as a grown-up, she allowed her daughter to fly out the window with Peter Pan. Knowingly, she knew it was coming, she knew it was going to happen, and out she went. I don't know that she knew it was coming, but... Oh, she knew it was coming. I don't know that she... I don't know that she knew Peter Pan was ever coming back. I think she forgot that he was real. I think she knew that he was coming back. But here's here's my other... And I thought about this, because I'm like... This was, because this was such a big deal originally with Mrs. Darling. Like, this is like, this, the, the flight, the three boys, or the three children leaving, is such a massive tragedy to both, dar- to all members of that household, including the But dog. more so him. 
More so, Mr. Darling. I don't think more so. I think they they, they handled... climbed in the kennel. Yeah, I mean, it was a crazy response. She didn't climb in the kennel. She didn't climb in the kennel, but I think they're handling it in different ways. And I actually, th and I think actually the book. See, now we're jumping all the way ahead. It changed him, but I, I don't think it, it changed change. her. No, I. But it I'll changed agree. him. I'll agree with you there. It changed Mister Darling, but it didn't change Mister Darling. But I think that this betrays then the fact that Mrs. Darling cared deeply about them from the start. Yes. And so, and I think even Barry like adds in in that last or second to last chapter, whenever they come back. Um, he adds in these, like, moments where she says something like, are you just doing this for the attention? And yes. then she takes it right back away. She takes it back right away, which I think is actually a really interesting thing to put in the book because it's very human and it's something you would ask. Like, Well, yeah. it's You get, you get that. And then he says something, too, about like closing the window or something and then he takes it right back again right so they're both like it's showing like to me what that communicated was these are two people that are grieving mm -hmm. and they're grieving differently they're grieving drastically differently mm -hmm. for what happened but they are grieving the same yes they have the same level well, and they, i agree with level, you that yeah. mr darling has come to that conclusion instead of where mrs darling might have started there but all the way back to Wendy, I think that Wendy has less to be concerned about than, than Mrs. Darling had when they left. Because when Mrs. Dar when they left, Mrs. Darling has no idea what's going to happen. She has no idea where they are. She, she has nothing to go on. Wendy has a very good idea of where Jane has gone, of, of what's going on. This was the spring cleaning thing that, that was the deal that Mrs. Darling set up with Peter at the end. And so she knows that Jane's going to come back. So it's different... There is still a little bit of this, like, I will let her go and experience this. But it's different than Mrs. Darling, who is abjectly terrified mm -hmm. that her children will never return. Whereas Wendy's like, yeah. she will be back, and this will happen again to her. And, and even the story, I think, ends with, like, and then it happened to right. the granddaughter, and then it, and so on. But if you were, if you were truly able to leave behind all childhood things you would not let your daughter fly out the window you would say that's ridiculous you're not doing that we're going to be sensible people here in this british home and we are going to yeah. stay here and do what we do sure i suppose but then i suppose doesn't that betray that wendy is not all responsible that wendy is yes. the middle ground between these two things that are pulling us in different directions of that responsibility of adulthood and mm -hmm. and the uh, adventurousness of, of childhood. Youth. Yes, but that's my point, is that she never actually fully grew up. Yeah. Well, she tells, still tells us stories. Absolutely. And so, she, yeah, she never fully grows up. And she is a very interesting character in that way. And I, I would argue, is the main character. At minimum, she shares that title. If not, she is the main character, and it's not Peter. Wow, that's an argument to make. Well, I don't think Peter... Yeah. I, I, yeah, I stand by that. I think that... I think that Wendy is... First of all, this novel was originally called Peter and Wendy, so... Right. I, I think that okay, by so taking by that. her out of the title, we've kind of gypped her of her, her rightful spot. Yes. But, even saying that I, I, yeah I just I think that Wendy is much more important to the story than 
Wendy, yeah, you're right. Wendy than is any other character other than Peter to the story. I would say yes. I would agree with you. Wendy is central to the story, as much so as Peter. Yeah. 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 Okay. I see where you're going with that. Well, that was good. Uh, we kind of touched on the darlings a little bit, so we'll go there first. Um, cause I do have things to say about Mr. and Mrs. Darling and I'll start with Mr. Darling. Uh, first of all, the kennel thing is bonkers, but we, we don't have to start there uh, because it starts crazy already in the beginning, in the very first chapter. So when he's like, how many children can we keep? Are we going <laughs> to be able to keep these? He's counting. <laughs> he's counting, right? He's counting the... How many children can we afford? Right. And he's like, but no, but like when she's pregnant with Wendy, right. he's like the first one. He's like doing the math right. to see. It. Can and we keep this one? His question is, can we keep it? Yeah. My question when I read that was, what is your alternative? Like, are you going to give her away somewhere? Dump it in the Thames, I guess. I, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But like, but that's, so he is incredibly practical and not. You want to talk about that theme of responsibility of adulthood being, like, epitomized by someone. It's epitomized by him. And uh, there's... When we get to the second episode, there's some interesting things about the origins of this story with him that are kind of interesting. But we're not there yet. Um, but then... So so this is this, like, super serious, super practical guy who's like, we don't even have to have... Like, we might have to give these kids up if they cost us too money too much money um and then they leave and then they they are whisked away mm -hmm. and we see how devastated he is by like getting in this kennel right um which kind of takes a weird turn as he becomes like a local celebrity i right uh, well i think he crawled in the kennel because they were missing but also feeling the guilt over how he treated Nana. Right. Yeah, because he's because if Nana was there, this would not have happened. Correct. If and he, he didn't put her overreact, out. this wouldn't have happened. So right. Now he this is his penance, this is his his right. cross that he's he's going to carry. Yeah. Um a lot of guilt. Yeah. He's feeling a lot of guilt. Right, and that's yeah. I don't I don't know quite what else to say about him. Well, he did. I I story. like the transformation in him from the beginning to the end of just this um, very uncaring, unemotional man to yeah. now I'm so emotional that I'm crawling into a kennel and living out my life this way. Right. And also then when the children return, his, his joy and his, yeah. you know, excitement over that where these children at the beginning he was so unemotional that he was like well we might have to get rid of some of them yeah and you can actually see that that uh sentimentality or like thereof uh ooze into john um because there's a lot of points in this story where john will say something and i'm like john are you okay are you all right like he's like he'll say something like yeah let's murder him and i'm like okay john i think maybe you need to have feelings sometimes but I, I think that that, like, and as he's the, the firstborn son, he's the, like, he's going to mirror, he's old enough to start mirroring his father, and so he's going to start, whereas Michael isn't. Michael was too young, and mm -hmm. we see that because he starts to forget even who his, what his parents look like. Right. But all of that to say, 
back to Mr. Darling. The the biggest, like, cle the clearest, like, this is a different man than we saw at the beginning is we are counting the coins to make sure we can have Wendy, keep Wendy, and we have adopted all of the Lost Boys. They Correct. all live there now. Yes. And that wasn't even... And I love that they were like, he was a little perturbed, but not because he had to adopt them, but because they didn't think it was like... He was like... His position was usurped. They didn't ask him. Like, they didn't... Right. Like, they didn't, like, kind of come to him with it first. Which would have been a big deal in that sure. day and time. You You right. need to present the man of the house with any changes, any updates, sure. anything of an idea that you might have that needed to run through the man of the house first. Right, right. And it did not. No, yeah. But, like, and then the boys, like, immediately do that. And, like, mm -hmm. in, like, this funny way. But he he's immediately acquiesces to it. Right. Which I you never do. He would never do in any, like, before this event. Right. If those boys showed up while his three kids are there, there's yes. no way he's taking them. No, which he showed at the beginning... When he put Nana out, because sure. even when it said, you know, when he was putting Nana out, he knew that it wasn't the right thing to do. Like it, he, he knew that he was overreacting right. to the situation, but because of his pride, he did it anyway. Yeah. So out. then in the end, like you're saying, he would have never acquiesced because, you know, if it was the beginning of the story, who he used to be yeah. because of his pride. But it seems like that. I mean, and to be fair, living in a kennel for that long probably does wipe away some of your pride. Sure. <laughs> well, I would, yeah. And then to become, like, nationally recognized right. as kennel guy, I do think that that would, right. you know, maybe make you more humble as you entered a giant eagle. Right. But I just, which is a uh, Western PA yeah. shopping market. I just yes. realized that probably not everybody knows what that is. No. Um, yeah. But we have spent too much time talking about Mr. Darling. Uh... Mrs. Darling, I do you have things to say about Mrs. Darling? I don't have a lot to say. I don't have a lot to say. She seems just like a like a loving mother. Yes, like, she's a loving that's mother. That's she is. Yeah, and she doesn't. There's not a lot of transformation in her. So, mm -mm. I would rather talk about characters that have transformation. Sure. So, Mrs. Darling is kind of a boring character to me that I could take or leave. Okay. All right. That's interesting. I like all I'll say is I like in the beginning when they talk about like why Mr. Darling and Mrs. Darling are, like, they, they explain some of this background of them, and there's something, like, enchanting about Mrs. Darling that, mm -hmm. like, was unavoidable, and, like, it was just so happened that Mr. Darling, like, got there first, is, like, what they said. Right. Like, proposed first or something, and, like, mm -hmm. so there's something, and then the, the, like, weird, like, there's this kiss that is unattainable. I, I didn't quite get it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you got it, but I, it's like, there's something like mysteriously enchanting about her in yeah. the beginning. Right. And but she, somehow she Mr. Just, Darling just squishes that out of her. Yeah, right. But yeah, and it <laughs> like leaves over time. But yeah. Um, but that, that thing, whatever that enchant, that, that thing is, I think then affects Peter later. Um, all the way at the end, it's this, this like, her, her, like her goodness, her the the genuine good motherhood that that she displays, mm -hmm. begins to like affect him, a little at the end. Yeah, but I don't think that has anything to do with her enchantedness. But we'll talk about that in number two. Okay, all right. Now I'm interested. Okay, <laughs> um, 
I don't have anything else to say about Mrs. Darling. Yeah, Mrs. Darling. I mean, she needed to be there because she was representative she's, of a mother who actually right. cared. She's the real mother Correct. in this story. Um, yes. Not Wendy. Right. Um, and she was the example to Wendy of who to, right. uh, you know, Emulate. basically show the Lost Boys. This is what a mother right. does and looks like and cares. You know, cares like so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in that way, she's important because she was Wendy's example. Sure. Yeah. And I would argue in the end, she's very important because it opens Peter's eyes to the fact that a mother can be good and loving. Yeah. Sure. But there's a lot behind that. Is that is that what you're alluding to on episode two? Yes. Okay. Episode we'll two. move on. Stay tuned. What character? <laughs> move us along. What character are we talking about now? Where oh, are we going? Oh. Uh, let's go with Captain Hook because I find him fascinating. Let me tell you, that's my favorite character. <laughs> He's my second favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite character. <laughs> this whole thing is Captain Hook. What do you find fascinating about Captain Hook? Oh, what do I find? I the thing I love most about Captain Hook is good form. I oh, love. <laughs> what a chapter! Anyway. I love that no matter what. He needs to have good form. Yeah. Although I would argue he abandons that a number of times Several, yeah. throughout the story. But in the back of his mind is so important good form. Sure. Do you, first of all, they mentioned that like he went to like some prodigious university. Is that a, like, do you have any idea about that? Because like it felt like Barry was referencing something I was supposed to know as a 1911 Englishman that I don't know. And maybe it's like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just that, that he was some kind of, like... Yeah, I like the good I, form thing. Yeah. I mean, again, number two episode, but I, I believe that Captain Hook is the representative of the author's father in real life. Oh. And so well, that he could have gone to a yeah. prestigious university, his father. Um, he could have, because he came from a wealthy family. You're getting, Now you're getting into medium. I, okay, but you asked me. You asked right. me. Okay. Why okay, the... so you think this is an inside thing that, that Barry is like... Oh, he's totally writing out his his life feelings. That's what's happening in this book. His experiences oh, in yeah. life and his feelings. And I believe that's a representative of his father. Kind of off doing his own thing, but good form. Good form. <laughs> good form. Yeah, I... Uh... Is Captain Hook brave or cowardly? I would say he's... I would argue that he's both. Okay, yeah. I would too. I just... Obviously I, cowardly, um, and rightly so, over the crocodile. Sure. But This crocodile, by the way, is the scariest thing in this world. <laughs> <laughs> like, there were some freaky yeah. things in the Neverland, but that crocodile is persistent. Yes. Yes, well, he got a taste of Hook, and that... And Hook's blood was a different color, and so it would be probably a different flavor. Mm. And I think that, as a result, the crocodile got a taste of his blood, and it was like none other. And so he's got to keep pursuing this. Yeah, he's got to eat that. Captain Hook, and he's got to have him. Got to eat him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I also think I... Yeah, he's not... Here's why I ask that, is because if you're familiar... I know you're familiar, but if anyone is familiar with the Disney movie, Peter Pan, yeah, he only seems cowardly to me in the Disney movie. I don't think he... He doesn't... He never... So when I was a kid, like, growing up and seeing this movie, I never thought he was brave. I always thought he was a coward. 
Well, that's, maybe that's because, because they, they couldn't show him taking his hook and ripping people to shreds. In the book, this is what he's <laughs> yeah. doing. He's taking well, yeah, his hook and ripping people to shreds. That doesn't indicate bravery. That can also well, indicate cowardice. It like true. Like that doesn't necessarily. I think what indicates bravery about him is is the various times that he's like he is willing to confront. He's willing to confront all danger other than this crocodile. This crocodile is the only thing he will back away from. Right. And but fact, I'm gets, saying Disney didn't present him that way if disney sure. would have presented him so cool. in more of an ominous type right. character that would have been different but yeah he can only be so cool and i think it's i think it was really cool like they build up this like the legends of like real pirates that he's killed and yes like, like he has like some kind of place in the uh like the great age of piracy like, right that, that a big really deal. happened in yeah. real in real life but has now like gone to the Neverland, like, somehow. He's a big deal. I think Disney did him a, his character a disservice. Absolutely! Yeah. That is the biggest problem I now have with the yeah. Disney movie, is because I did not... He's nowhere near any, mm -hmm. like, my top five favorite Disney villains. But I would say, if you ever saw the movie Hook with Robin Williams, yeah, I better. feel like they did his character a little better, still not quite well, as they brave. they can do a little more, right? They but can they do did his good form perfectly yeah the good form was gonna be yes yeah. that movie by the way is good you know what that's my shout out is the is the movie the robin williams movie hook yeah it's and a good movie that's a really good movie yeah but uh yeah i really like hook uh i think he is a great villain for this yes i would agree for for the duo that we have he said he the only thing he shied away from was the sight of his own blood or was that peter i'm not sure no it's it's talking about captain yeah. hook i believe that mm -hmm. yes and i love this phrase he was never more sinister than when he was most polite yeah well that's true i love that so this is a thing that I don't know if you know this about, and this is, I'm going to get a little meta, but oh, yeah? this is a thing about stories and villains in particular. When you look at villains of different stories and you look at how villains are portrayed, one of the most sinister things you can do with a uh, tyrant or a monster uh -huh. is to make them excessively polite because <laughs> now it scares me because I know, because what I know about them, what you have to do is you have to introduce me to this person and they have to like either look intimidating or you have to immediately show me that they're intimidating like have him rip a guy apart with a hook you know yeah and then he always acts polite and so the whole time as the as the reader as the audience i'm thinking at any point this man could rip someone apart with his hook but i don't i have no clue when because he's being so overly polite right that i don't know when that will shift and yeah. he several times in the story shifts and then other times you think he's gonna do it and he doesn't like when Smee and the other guy are like yeah oh we set her free boss when they're in that cave and you think like oh these two are dead but he doesn't spend any time thinking about that right. he goes after what I mean Peter right. he goes after the voice that's in the cave um, and so like sometimes you're like he's smarter than just blatantly cruel he is cruel but he's not, he's not cruel for cruelty's sake all the time. No. But that polite, that veneer, that veneer of politeness mm -hmm. is truly like a coat over 
what is his real who he really is and that's i think because of this idea of good form this like thing he must present himself well <laughs> yeah he dresses well yeah he's yeah yeah he must present himself well in that way and in his fun in his last fight with peter this is the thing he knows he's gonna die he knows he's going to lose but he must get peter to step out of line he has to yes. get peter to display bad form even if he just dies because then there's something he can hold on to some facet of it and say well at least he had bad form at the end which is ironic because that is maybe the thing peter cares about the least in the whole world right he doesn't care about good form no because peter's a child he doesn't care about good form right he doesn't understand. He probably doesn't even fully understand good form. No, I. You know, and I'm going to be honest. I don't know that I fully understand good form. Well, that's because you're not British. Mm. That <laughs> might be true. That might be unfortunately true. You're American. Americans don't have good form. Well, we have pretty bad form across yeah. the board. Our but, form. But the British, they good have good form. form. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're a fan of the Crown. I am. Um, <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Hook is great. Did you have more Hook thoughts, or should we move on? Uh, we can move on. Yeah, we can move on. Yeah, because I have more Hook thoughts, but but I'll save we them. We can for share the them. Other. Okay. No, they're for the other the okay. second episode. Um. Uh. Well, let's stop dancing around Peter and just talk about Peter. All right. Um. What do you think about Peter? What did you think about Peter in this book? I I think that he is, is very similar to the movie in some ways, but. He's got some distinct differences. Oh, yeah. He's definitely much more impulsive in this book, much sure. more um, aggressive in this book. Definitely. I mean, he doesn't mind killing people. It's kind no. of what he... He finds that uh, adventurous and fun. Yeah. So these are his adventures. People usually die. In fact, I think there's one part of the book yeah. where they're like... And sometimes they found a body after an adventure, and sometimes they did not find the body. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, he's just killing people. But it's like, yeah, and it's kind of worded as like, a, you know, sometimes the guy yeah. died, and sometimes, sometimes he didn't die. Right. So I think... Stabbings are hard to tell. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, you know, I think in the movie they did portray him as impulsive and childlike and just here there and everywhere but not not to the point where his adventures would be sinister almost right well they took the massive consequences out right that like those the the or maybe not consequences consequences might be the wrong word but they took the the this like oh no he's killing people like right right the scary aspect which is the the frightening aspect right. of this life in the Neverland, yes, which which is that it is extremely violent all yes. the time, yeah. Um, and even like the first time we're in the Neverland, it's we're we're like brought into this scene of like the Lost Boys chasing the beasts or something, and the pirates chasing circle, the Lost yeah. Boys, and the <laughs> we're gonna call them natives chasing the, yeah. the pirates. Uh, and then the beasts are chasing the name. like it's like a circle of yes. like these these different groups trying to kill the other groups. Absolutely, it's very violent, and it's also quite creepy at night. Oh, this is not a place you want to be at night. No, I mean the whole Mermaid Lagoon turning into some yeah. kind of what at night? Like that's 
That's creepy. What's going on with those mermaids in that lagoon at night? I don't even know. Uh So uh, it's just definitely not, you know, I think in Disney they they portray Neverland as this like just fantasy place, which it is. Um, that has kind it. of a happy tone that you would want to go. You yeah. want to go see mermaids. You want to go see, you know, all these adventures. Maybe not so much the pirates, but even them, they're not that scary. No. So no, not in the movie. Right. But in the book, yeah. this is this is a place of adventure, but I wouldn't categorize it as a necessarily joyous, happy adventure. No. It's just adventure. What's well, also not like a childish adventure. It is no. a it, it is a adventure in in the real sense of what that word originally meant. Yes. Which is a perilous journey. Yes. With reward that has reward and merit. Yes. But, but also suffering. Right. But is a perilous journey. Yes. Um, the the haunting thing about this is that this perilous journey is perpetually being taken on by children. Yes. And chief among them is the mm-hmm. most childish of them all. And there's something really unsettling about that fact, about that these are about the yes. fact that these are kids. Peter does not want to allow anyone to grow up. And the way they alluded to the <laughs> yeah. fact that he just got rid of a lost boy and by got rid of, I'm pretty sure he just killed them when they started to grow. And so well, Yeah, because they, they're all scared of not fitting in their trees because if you don't fit yes. in your tree, but there was TikTok. even a part of the story that said something about he was he would be rid of them if oh, they started yeah. to grow. Well, they're definitely all the Lost Boys are, are distinctly scared of him all the time. I mean, sure, because like, they're like, they're like they'll follow whatever yeah, he says. If he plays like if he's playing something, they're playing that too, and right. it's real to them. They they act like it's real. Absolutely, and like you can even see that in where they're like sometimes they don't have food. Yes. And they pretend like they're they eating pretend. and they pretend they really pretend like they're eating. Yes. Because if they if they don't and they they show Peter that it's not real. Here it is. It says when they seem to be growing up, which is against the rules, Peter thins them out. Yeah. And they're counting numbers, but at this time there were 6 of them. So he thins them out means <laughs> not, you know, he makes yeah, them he get skinny. Takes the kids it out. means Yeah. He gets rid of them. He kills them. Yeah. What's not fitting with his his narrative? It's not fitting with... The... No, he wants the place to remain. Right. The Lost Boys need to be... The only people that are allowed to be grown up in Neverland are the pirates and the natives. Yeah. I, I mean, the book calls them Redskins, and it still says that. But I don't think we're allowed to say that anymore. No. So, we're going to call them natives. We're going to call them natives. <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe they're native to the Neverland. I don't know. Right. Yes. Even the movie's a little... Uh, the movie's pretty rough with portraying... Oh, yeah. Portraying definitely. Native Americans. Yeah, Native Americans are not... The, anyway, yeah. yeah so they, they're, they're allowed to be adults. Uh, basically, anyone who is an enemy is allowed to be an adult. Anyone who is not an enemy must be a child. So even the fairies, I get the the feeling that the fairies are not adults. Am I right? Am I wrong? Yeah. Um. Like Tinkerbell does not feel like an adult fairy no, to me because they die. Really. They don't age. Remember they. But kind of. They die quickly. They don't live long. But wouldn't that mean that like they are most of the time 
So if you met a fairy in the wild, you're more likely to meet an adult fairy than you are a child fairy. I don't think there are adult fairies. I think they're all child fairies and they die. I don't think they get out of childhood. I don't know. I think that's part of the story. That's why Peter can be friends with them. That's why Peter can be on... I can be friends with them because they die quick. By the way, uh, just from a story perspective, that was kind of tragic to me at the end where they're like, Tinkerbell's dead because fairies die really quick. And Do I'm you like, love Tinkerbell? Is that why? What's no, going on with Tinkerbell? I, <laughs> I gotta make this weird. <laughs> I just know. Do you have feelings for Tinkerbell? I have no feelings for Tinkerbell. <laughs> Tinkerbell is the kind of person I want to avoid in life. She's what? a fairy, so yeah. I would hope you'd want to avoid fairies. <laughs> no way to win this, huh? No. <laughs> I, but I don't know that Tinkerbell's portrayed as a child, is what I'm saying. She's, like, catty, but... She's obviously attracted to Peter. Why would she be attracted to Peter if she was an adult? She's a fairy! How do we know what fairy rules are? Okay, that's weird. For, she's already tiny. What do you... I mean, like, how do we know what fairy attractiveness rules are? On I think we should just change the subject right now. On top of the fact that we don't know what fairy attractiveness rules are, uh-huh. she, the only line that we have from her for such a long time is, you silly ass, that's all right. we know. That's true. She says that repeatedly. All the time. That's yes. all she says. Yes. We finally get to learn more. And she doesn't, I guess, say it. She, like, tinks it or whatever, like, whatever her language is. In fairy language. Yeah. That only Fairies, if you will. Convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we get on how old Tinkerbell is? But, oh, because what we were saying is that Peter, the only people who were allowed to be adults, are the people who are the enemies and yeah. not the friends. Like yeah. The people that he chooses to look that like they're on his side right. cannot be adults. No. Which is my argument for why fairies are not adults. And so I like, I, yeah, I'm fine to to secede that battle. I just, I don't know that they have to be children. I don't know what the line is. Like, when is a housefly an adult housefly versus a child housefly? Most of its life, it's an adult housefly. If we're looking at human lifespans, right? If I live to 80 years, most of that is I'm an adult human. And so, if a fairy lives to like 80 minutes, most of that is is adult fairy. And then a little bit at the beginning, like 20 minutes at the beginning, is, is child I think fairy. that's breaking a cardinal rule of this particular story. Because I don't believe that Peter sees any adult as a good thing or someone he can be friends with. Sure. You're breaking a cardinal rule of this story. I don't know. I mean, the natives Til are the definitely end. adults. And yes. we ally with them. It's not like they're getting in the underground house or anything, but we're definitely allied with them. But not right away. Not at first. Not at first, but like after he saves Tiger Lily, who, I mean, I don't know. I guess we can assume Tiger Lily is a child. I would assume Well, Tiger she was Lily the king's daughter. What, what do you think? Prin- She's like the princess of the, yeah. what do you call the head of the tribe? The chief. Yeah, that's what I was looking yeah. for, that word. Chief's daughter. I, they, they did name the tribe, but I don't think it's a real name. I have no idea. I think they I call it the Pickinini tribe. Like, Pickinini, yes. And that might also be a little racist, and I don't know about that, so I... Yeah. Right. It doesn't seem like a real name. It seems like a joke name. Yeah, well, it's it's a story, so... Yeah. Um, who are we talking, we're talking about Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Yeah. Yeah, I think that he... Um, I agree with you that he doesn't view... 
he always views adults in a negative light. If there's a yes. way to view them negatively, that's the way he views them. Absolutely. So I think that's his, his main thing. Um, but mostly mothers. He hates mothers. I mean, oh, he hates them. I, he does hate mothers. But my, my question is, why does he bring Wendy back? Why does he like want Wendy to be specifically... I the mother of the Lost Boys. The Lost Boys were asking for, searching for, wanting a mother. Oh, so you're saying this is for them. This He's is not doing for it for the Lost Boys, not oh, for maybe. himself. You might be right. Yeah. Because he goes back and he doesn't, like, need that. But he's still, but wait, but even at the end, he wants Wendy to come with him. Even after he drops all the Lost Boys off. Right, because by that point he had formed a bond with her. I guess. Yeah, he had definitely formed a bond with Wendy. Yeah, and I guess in these interactions he always plays the father, not a child. Correct, but even in playing the father, he struggled with that and said something about, I'm not really your husband, I'm not really the father. Yeah, you're not really our mother, yeah. You're he, not really our mother. So right. even in that, he he wanted to make sure that everyone understood this was just make-believe. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying he is not. He's a big mother fan. I Clearly, he is not. I don't know yeah. what happened to him in his life, but he is not a big mom fan. Oh, well, that goes back to the <laughs> All right, we're author. getting to it later. Yeah, but it says... Uh, but of course he cared very much and he was so full of wrath against grown-ups yeah. who as usual were spoiling everything. Yeah. Well, they do have a he has wrath against grown-ups yeah. and then it specifically says against mothers later in the book somewhere. I'll admit that when I was a kid I, I did think that grown-ups had a tendency to spoil everything. Well, every child does because grown-ups tell you no. Right. Right? Correct. So... When you want to do something impulsive and childlike, the responsible party of the parent is saying, that's not a good idea. That's fair. Upsetting, but true. I... Yeah. Peter is scary. But... Really interesting if you've, like... I almost think it's weird what they did in the movie. I understand why they did it the way they did it, but like they really make Peter the hero. Peter is a good guy right. in that movie, and I don't labor under any assumptions that Peter is even a decent person in this book. Right. Like Peter doesn't know who he is. I find this very interesting. When he was facing, I believe it was when he was facing Hook, he says... Pan, who and what art thou? And Peter replies, I'm youth. I'm joy. I'm a little bird that has broken out of the egg. This, of course, was nonsense, but it was proof to the unhappy Hook that Peter did not know in the least who or what he was. Right. Which is the pinnacle (laughs) of good form. Yeah, because this plays that into the fact that that's the thing to not, you know, to be aloof is to have good form. Yeah. So I find it interesting that um, Peter doesn't really know who or what he is, and he doesn't stop long enough to think about it. It reminds me of my two-year-old grandson who just keeps going and going and going and going and doesn't really stop long enough 
But then once in a while, he does stop and and think something through. Peter never stops sure. to think anything through. It's yeah. always this impulsive reaction. Right. On and, and even the way at the end, he was ticking as he's climbing the boat. He doesn't even realize he's ticking. He doesn't even realize that yeah, this that was, was a funny. great plan yeah. until, oh, wait, this is, you know, something dawns on him. He doesn't, he didn't think any of that through. No. He's just climbing the boat. Yeah, that was really interesting. That, that was like, I, they almost do, they do this like, they, you end the chapter seeing the Lost Boys looking down and they see him, he's the one ticking. And you're like, Peter's a genius. And right. then like, <laughs> like the very next chapter it's like yeah Peter had no idea he, what he was doing he had no clue but then he was like oh that was pretty smart of me <laughs> right he was like wow I am a genius like yeah. and all, of course always willing to take that credit when bestowed sure. upon him I, yeah I think he's just because uh, as it says several, as the book says several times uh, Peter Pan there, there was never a boy as cocky as Peter Pan and that's what drove Hook crazy right yeah I think he just doesn't even stop long enough to think about who he is. Which isn't... There might be something interesting there in this idea of... He is somehow, while not knowing himself at all, able to be cocky. He is able to be overconfident. Despite despite not having any grounding in himself at all. Which is weird because normally we think like uh, you have a high view of yourself. You at least usually you have too high a view of yourself. This is what leads to cockiness. This is what leads to hmm. uh, overestimating your own abilities. But but Peter has no no grounding in himself at all. Not that he's unconfident in his ability, but simply that he just has no basis for that confidence at all. Which is different than us usually when we're overconfident. Where we seem to think we have a basis for that. And that's why we're overconfident. I really think, though, that he's just going through Neverland 100% based on what he feels in the moment. And so I don't think he's thought about himself long enough to... I think he just feels confident and that's what he's bringing off. You know what yeah. I mean? He just like, I don't think he's thought about himself long enough to think, should I be confident? Shouldn't I be? Why, why wouldn't you be confident if you've never wondered, should I not be confident? Is there anything I shouldn't be confident about? You're right. Because you haven't stopped to examine yourself at all. So yeah. Right. So you would be confident because as long as you feel confident. Yeah. As long as you're feeling that, you've you not know, examined yourself. At all. And there's other times where he feels so emotional emotionally distraught he just sits down and cries over his shadow mm, yeah so he wasn't confident in that moment he lost his shadow he didn't know what to do you know what i mean so it's but it's then all about immediately he regains that like as oh, soon as it's so back on he's like i never cry he says something in that right. same chapter he's like i've never cried like right when we just saw him do it yeah and like wendy kind of brushes it off and doesn't like point it out right yeah i think it's just all about whatever he is feeling in the moment right um and then he does whatever, initially, just whatever first comes to his head, he does. He just reminds me of just a very impulsive child. child. You know? And he never wants to grow up. He he refuses to grow up. The only, I would say, the only strong, strong, consistent feeling that Peter Pan has is his hatred of grown-ups. He doesn't like them. So, sure. I think that is the 
only strong, strong feeling that is consistent. I would argue Captain Hook is part of that. And and that is why he is hyper-focused on Captain Hook at the end where he keeps repeating to himself, it will be me or Hook. You know, or whatever yeah. he says that I can't remember the exact words, but Hook or me this time. Hook or me this time. So it's it's almost it's like a finality thing. Yeah, to him, Hook is you know, he's basically the epitome of all things that he hates about adults. Right. And he must be rid of him. Right. That is the only strong feeling I feel that he has throughout the book. Like the consistent sticks with you strong feeling. Other feelings like him being sad about the, you know, uh, shadow, right. him feeling certain way about Wendy or Tinkerbell or whoever, those feelings come and go. Right. And they change like the wind. Yeah, they're very quick. But the thing that does not ever change for him is his hatred of grown-ups and Hook is part of that. Yeah. Hook is the embodiment of that sure. for him. That's that's the fight he has on Neverland. Yes. In his world, that's that's his, his enemy. Yes. That is Peter Pan's core right there. Yeah. His hatred of adults. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, another reason why I'm going to argue that Wendy is at minimum a dual main character. If not the actual person we're supposed to be following. Like, she is the better answer than any other character in the the book. Um, She is the answer of hope that the author... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Wrote the book for, I would argue. Yeah, she's. You're supposed to. At the end, you're supposed to be like, "This is a good response." I think you're supposed to feel good about the end. I love. Uh, yeah, one of the things I liked about the in the, when they in the chapter they flew away is he like he every once in a while the author seemed to like write to you like write to the reader. Yes. Where he, which I actually really liked. Yeah. Where he and like one of them is that when they fly off and he goes, this story may be dreadful, but I promise you it will come around in the end. Yes. Um, yeah, I do like how he did switch that. And there's something about that that was like really interesting to me and like comforting when he did that. But that's we're talking more about the medium. But that's, um, but I think that this is that when Jane flies off, like the the grown up Wendy and her decisions towards Jane and stuff. That's what he's talking about. This is the good ending. And, like, obviously when they return and the boys grow up and, like, this, this is a good end. That's what he's talking about with this this good ending. Which is why I think that Wendy's answer is correct and Peter's answer is not correct. Um, what do you mean by that? Peter staying in the Neverland is the wrong answer. Oh, yeah. Well, he doesn't have a choice. It doesn't seem like it. Yeah, he does he not does have, a, have choice. a choice. No, he can't. He can't. It would go against his core to come and be like one of the Lost Boys yeah. and fall in line under the authority of adults. Yeah. It goes against his core. He can't do it. Sure. Yeah, I agree that he won't. He can't. I don't know that he can't. He can't. I agree that he won't. I agree it won't last. Would never. If he tried, it wouldn't last. But what, what is different... Why? Why is Peter not grown up? Is Peter not human? Is Peter something else? Because if he's yes. human, <laughs> because if he's human, 
then I would argue that he won't do it because of his convictions, but because of who he is. He won't ever do it, but he could. If he's not human and he is somehow affixed to the Neverland, which is a decent theory, then then sure, he couldn't. He, he wouldn't be able to leave for an extended period of time like that. Because yes. he does not exist well, then in the beginning, the we learned that Neverland is simply your imagination. Is it the imagination or is it specifically dreams? Because it feels like all kids go there in their dreams. Well, I think it's your imagination because I think there was a reference. I don't know where it is. I know what you're talking about. In the beginning, right? Like yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Like, but like, it's where uh, Mrs. Darling is like familiar with Peter. Like, she's seen him before. It's not like, yeah. 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 I agree with you that Peter seems to stand outside of it minimum time, but yeah, I yeah. Because each child in the beginning has a different Neverland, a different version of Neverland and what they've seen yeah, in Neverland. Sure, yeah. So Neverland is a figment of your imagination. Like it is part of your imagination. And which is why which is why the mom has why Mrs. Darling has familiarity with it on a very right. base level, you know. Sure. Yeah. I love how they say Neverlands have a family resemblance. That is kind of interesting. It does and it does seem like the Neverland we end up with is the combined Neverland of John, Michael, and Wendy. Yes. Like, all the things that they want are here. We, too, have been there. Right. That's what it says. Yeah. Is, I think that's... Yeah. So, Peter is attached to Neverland. Yeah. It's not... He can't leave Netherland, Neverland. It's, it's an imaginary place. Sure. And because... And this is why it goes on generationally. Uh-huh. Because... Neverlands have a family resemblance. Peter is in the family Neverlands. So, what you're arguing here? So, but you're arguing that then Peter is not real. Peter, Peter no. is simply imaginary. Yes. And this whole thing was simply an imaginary quest. Here's my problem. Papa is still in a kennel. <laughs> No, no, no. I think that that in this story, Neverland, which was an imaginary place, came to be. And it continued on. Well, then Peter is. Peter then is a thing that exists. But also attached to Neverland. If Neverland, if Peter doesn't... Why are the Lost Boys real? Why why did they grow up and have, like, business jobs? (laughs) Like, this is ridiculous. Peter could have done that, maybe, but... I feel like if Peter leaves, the Lost Boys can leave Neverland and Neverland can still exist. But if Peter they leaves... They clearly grow. I'm worried yeah. that they've been stolen from their families as well, but... That's a whole other thing. When Peter... If Peter were to leave Neverland, Neverland would cease to exist. Okay, that's... I, I don't know about that claim. That seems bold. Because Peter is the thing, generationally, that was the same... In this family sure. resemblance of Nether- Neverlands. 
Sure, yeah. Like the darlings, yeah. So if Peter comes out of that, the future Neverlands of this family no longer have a family resemblance. What is the family resemblance then? Well, it just wouldn't be Peter. It just, like, he wouldn't be there. He would it would be, be somebody else? He'd be like Uncle Pete that's like, you know... Uncle Pete that flies. Works in the iron mill. <laughs> no, because he can't. No, because he can't fly because he's going to grow up. Well, the... the uh, Yeah, because the Lost Boys could fly. They had to tie him down to bedposts. Which is hilarious. Yeah, until they started forgetting. Right. And then they lost their ability to fly. Right, and they couldn't fly anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I but mean, I Wendy never forgot. But she couldn't fly. No, but she never forgot. So she forgot how to fly. Did it say she forgot how to fly, or did, it, did she just choose not to fly? I don't know. You have the book in your hand. I. She didn't just choose not to fly. She didn't know how to fly as an adult. She said to Jane that she couldn't fly anymore. So why did she forget to fly? She, she said she couldn't fly because she didn't have fairy dust anymore. I don't know about that. But then even when she's talking to Jane, she alludes to the fact that Peter could have been fake, that it could have been made up. Because they all start to think that this might have been fake. This might have not been real. I would argue she knew he was coming back. I think that there's... I agree with you that I think she knew he was coming back. I disagree with you that I think if he didn't come back... I'm trying to explain this. I would also argue that Mrs. Darling went on this same adventure and completely Boo. forgot. Boo! I don't like that at all. I don't I, think that's true. I, I knew you were going to say it. that's how she recognized Peter Pan. I, I believe that Mrs. Darling has met Peter. I yes. do not believe that Mrs. Darling has gone on this adventure. Here's I mean, why. not this particular adventure, but I think that she has been on an adventure as a child with Peter Pan. Why We see Peter have a like a vitriolic response to her at the end. And my question is if he knew her, why? But he also did he not also not recognize Wendy right he didn't away? Recognize Wendy. No. I guess he did get mad. He got mad yeah. she was a grown up then. Yeah. So it could be just this. And he kind forgets of... immediately. He also hates adults. I don't. Th- I still don't think that Mrs. Darling went on this quest. I don't think she went on this particular quest, but I think she went on an adventure of some sort with Peter Pan. I think, like all kids who've seen the ne- Neverland, as it says in the beginning, that Mrs. Darling too has seen the Neverland, and if they have a family resemblance, then Mrs. Darling too has met Peter, but met Peter in her dreams, in imagination, not when okay. he actually comes in the window. We don't know. Though she did steal yeah. his shadow. But that was the first time that, that it became that, that Peter was real to her. And also, uh, how did she steal a shadow? I'm, there's a lot of questions there, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. It's possible, I it's guess. It's a story. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's possible. It's also possible that, like, Peter's got yeah, all kinds of problems. But with... with uh, yeah. I think there's something... Yeah. This hatred specifically of mothers. Oh, absolutely. Is, is... I, the whole time, I was waiting to learn something about Peter's mother. And, and we never, we never did. Uh, we never learned anything, like, overt about 
Peter's mother. And if Peter really is just a fiction of Neverland, then it's not necessary that he has a mother. Though it, the book made me feel as if he did and that then he was abandoned. Um, and that's what the author wanted you to feel. Right, and I think that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's true. And we can get into that <laughs> later, too. Um, is it, do, before we totally move on from characters and, mm -hmm. and you know. Yeah. W is there any other character that you, you need to talk about that you really want to talk about? Who is the sea cook? The sea cook? Mm-hmm. Can you give me a little bit Um. Some of the greatest heroes have confessed that just before they fell too, they had a sinking. Had it been so with Peter at that moment, I would admit it. After all, he was the only man that the sea cook had feared. Who is this sea cook? He was mentioned a number of times. I I don't even remember. Can you like sea cook like ocean chef? Like that's how it's spelled? <laughs> it's S E A dash C O O K, sea cook. It, it, I feel like he is a pirate of some sort, but it just keeps, like, a couple of times it mentioned this sea cook and how um, he was afraid of Peter. It's not the bird, is it? No, I thought the bird was something else. I thought the bird was something else, too. I, just... I don't know. Sea cook. Yeah, I... I just thought maybe you would know who the sea cook was. I will just have to look into that another time, perhaps. No, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't think. You know, I don't think that there's any other character that's that sure. particularly interesting to uh, me. I'm gonna give my second favorite character an honorable mention. Uh, Who's is, that? Uh, Toodles, uh, the Lost Boy. <laughs> I. I just really like Toodles. I just, Why do you like Toodles? I just because he's so dumb. I like he's just so and he's so like he's so like nice and dumb. He's like my favorite kind of dumb kid. I, yeah. Like, he like shoots Wendy. <laughs> Our introduction to him is he shoots Wendy because Tink like tricks him into doing it. Right. And then immediately he's like, Oh no! Like, <laughs> like he was so willing to murder this girl. Right. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh shoot, we were And he's so proud too. Yeah. Like he brings Peter over. He's like, look, look, I did it. I killed this flying girl. <laughs> and Peter's like, I don't. I just like Toodles. I, and I think, and he's always the first when someone has to take the blame too. When someone has to take a fall, uh -huh. he's always the one that steps up every yeah. time. Wasn't he Wendy's favorite too? Yeah, I think he was. He always steps up. And even when they're like, Mr. Banks is feeling like a little uh, upset about not being asked, he's the first one that goes over there and is yeah. like, and like presents himself in the most regal <laughs> right. fashion he can. And I was just like, I, I don't know. I just like him. I don't actually, right. I don't like have a lot to say about him. I yeah. just liked him. I liked reading his scenes. Good for Toodles. Good for Toodles. I like that he made it out, you know? Um, we've talked a lot about the Neverland. We've talked a lot about the world. Do you have anything else to say about the world? Neverland? Yeah. I like how it says it was looking for them. Neverland was looking for them. There is a huge, huge, like, 
theme, especially in the beginning, I felt eerie about how, like, instead of these kids going into this world, it felt like this world was, like, grabbing them. Yeah. And pulling it. It says it was looking for them. Yeah. And how even the stars guided Peter to where he needed to go. Like... Mm-hmm. That's the other thing, the travel to Neverland... I mean, Disney made that seem so fun. Look, we're flying through the air. We're flying past Big Ben. We're flying, you know, in this fun, fun way. And then you read it in the book and it's like, wow, that was a lot. Yeah, that was tough. (laughs) They're like trying to stay awake, almost dying. stay together? Well, Peter kept leaving them. And that, of course, in the movie, movie. don't they like... Yeah. They all, like, land together, right? Oh, the yeah, cannons yeah. get fired at them, like... Well, no, when they get closer to Neverland, the cannons are firing, then Tink- he tells Tinkerbell to lead them in the movie to uh, the Lost Boys. Lost Boys. But- and that's where she tries to get them shot down and everything. Yeah, but So that's that. the same, but... But John and Michael are with her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are with Wendy. And they're not, and they've landed somewhere else. Right. I love how Wendy's not even concerned about that at no, first. Like, not at all. That's kind of funny, but there is a hint, right? Like a notion that I wonder if they all are convinced entirely that this is real, and it's not a dream, some kind of like waking dream thing. I like at first, at least they spend yeah. now like I don't know how much time, but I would argue maybe like several months, like at this in the Neverland, and so at some point you're gonna think. I'm not dreaming for this long, but... Right. But... Yeah, and maybe at first they didn't think it was real. I don't know. It didn't really say And that. so I'm, I'm just saying, like, I'm wondering if that's why maybe Wendy's not as concerned. is because she's like, well, this is kind of like a dream thing anyway. Right, I'm going to wake up at any minute. Right. Yeah, Neverland seemed to be pulling them. And again, Neverland, you know, I feel it was clear Neverland was... Uh, is in imagination it has a family resemblance so uh-huh. it's it's obviously not a real place sure um but that really. that i do believe came to be in the story you know sure, yeah um i just it's a creepy place mm-hmm. it's like part creepy but very interesting not in a I want to go there. Like, I don't mind reading about it, but I don't think I would want to actually go there. No, I... I because, don't. quite frankly, I wouldn't last a day. I'm going to be honest. I don't do well with camping. Though, yeah. So. And I want to live in a tree. Mm, yeah, I'm very against that. I don't want to do that. Okay? Yeah. And I don't, don't want really to be like chased it. by natives. Yeah. I also... I don't want to live in a teepee or... No. Or a pirate ship. I Both yeah. not very clean. Yeah. I, I'm just not... It's not a place... Yeah. It's not like we're going to Disney World here, people. No. <laughs> You're going somewhere that's dangerous and definitely adventurous, but like you said, adventure in the real sense of the word. Yeah. There's peril. There's real There's peril. There's peril. Here. Absolutely. So Neverland is an interesting place. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I like it as a pl- as a setting for this book. I like it a lot. Uh, because of how creepy it is, um, and I, I, uh, yeah, I think it does what it needs to do to communicate the themes of the story very well. Uh-huh. Um, that being said, 
how quickly. Because uh, we're, we're moving on time. I will quickly say um, that we'll go we'll go to plot like okay let's just go to plot some of the things that I like I wanted to highlight we've highlighted a lot of these already by asking about characters and stuff you know we've, we've done a lot of these but uh-huh. so we don't have to spend a whole lot of time here I just I want to highlight a, two moments that I really liked and they're both with Peter because I, I find that the moments where Peter is alone and we see him are some of my favorite moments favorite moments in the whole book hmm. I really like the walk up the the trek to the pirate ship where we're just with him where he chants the whole time hooker me this time like there is something i don't know in me there's something that i'm like i'm so with him and i like for a moment it's like i would also be a lost boy that's the thing like if i found myself here i would follow peter too there's no like it's there's something about that that like intensity intensity that is like drawling to me like that i'm like that's really cool and the other one is where he uh his interactions with that bird (laughs) while the water is going up and this weird little like three page chapter where like he like finds like he like the bird like saves his life yeah and like he gets into the net like the bird sacrificially like gives up this nest with its eggs in it mm-hmm. and then he like takes the pirate hat and puts it down and that ends up actually working out great for the bird for and so, the like, eggs yeah saves the eggs right yeah. and so like this like he is not selfless in this book ever maybe except for there but it's like and he's not like totally selfless right he was saved first but there is this like he he did go out of his way to then help this bird and this weird like interaction this like quiet little like saving of of each other was really interesting to me and it made me Hmm. like it made me like peter whereas most of the time i was scared of peter Mm -hmm. because you just don't know what he's gonna do right but again i would argue that that was the feeling he had in the moment oh sure this bird saved me yeah i should do something nice for it yeah yeah, I don't think did. he put a whole lot of thought into that. No, I don't think he did either. Oh, look, there's a hat. I'll stick its eggs in the hat. Yeah, oh, I don't think he did either. But but even then, before then, he saved... Like, he ended up on the rock because he saved Wendy instead of himself. Well, that was Wendy. Yeah. Well, why is that special? I Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just thought those moments were interesting. My favorite moment in the whole book is where Hook dies. I... I <laughs> He is my favorite character, and his death is, I think, the best scene he's in. So, the whole... Uh, yeah. It's just mm-hmm. the, the push to get Peter to crack, and the almost, like, uselessness of that goal that we know is useless, mm-hmm. that seems so needed for Hook. But we know Peter would quickly give up any kind of good form he has. Like, right. that's not a thing he cares about. Right. But that Hook is not refuses to die before seeing i it's it's a really interesting end for for a character who was really interesting while he was alive yeah um i don't know if you had any other other story moments that you like wanted to highlight and which moment in the story was your favorite i would ask well i really enjoy it but it could be that that's kind of the you know 
the the point uh, or not the point but the the pinnacle of the whole book is this throw down with captain hook oh it's definitely the climax so that's i yeah the climax, the climax. Of the that's story. the word i was yeah. looking for yeah so i i too enjoy that because you're you're yeah. fully in it you're like oh what's going on and then peter's in you know the captain hook's uh cabin and he's yeah <laughs> making the crowing sound and, right and so just the terrified uh yeah. captain hook like he goes from you know tie or tie them up and you know yeah. ties wendy onto the mass and then all of a sudden he hears the, the ticking and he becomes this like i don't just just the transformation of him back and forth like that and then the whole yeah. good form thing it's so it's just definitely draws you in that is probably my favorite um scene but i also really enjoyed the fact that mr darling got in the kennel and that that, <laughs> and that, that became like a thing like a yeah. like he became so well the, known yeah that the news comes out <laughs> <laughs> like like kennel the taxi man. guy right shows up at his house every day yeah and he becomes like, famous for this yeah. right he becomes famous for this so that was very intriguing to me like Huh, yeah. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, no. Um, but again, that's about the transformation for me. I love when a character completely transforms like that. Yeah. You know? And yeah, so, oh, that's to me, definitely a 180. He was the most transformed in the entire oh, book. For sure. And so that's that's why that that part of the book is is really interesting to me. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's strange, that's <laughs> it's for sure. really weird. I didn't see it coming, and it was really weird, and I completely forgot about it, because I read this book a long, 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 long time ago. So, why I would forget about that, because it was just so yeah interesting to me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that'll conclude episode one. That'll conclude our, our talk about the, the story. I think it was good. We covered uh, a lot of things. Oh, it was so fun. Oh, it was so fun. So fun. Um, so we will hopefully sometime this month also be putting out the, uh, the second episode where we'll talk about the um, kind of the background of the story, our backgrounds with the story, and all of, all of that, as well as the morals, the, the meaning maybe that we found behind this story. We will, we will talk about all of that in episode two. But until then, thanks so much for watching this video or listening to this podcast, however you take it in. Um, please, uh, if you like this podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel or the Apple podcast. However you found this, subscribe to that. Um, like, comment, and all of those good things. Um, and until next time, savor your story.